Make Life Delicious, the podcast, is more than the food we eat. It's what else in life that makes us feel, be, and act delicious. We'll have conversations about real life, its messiness, and the things we can't live without. The ups, the downs, and the things we do on the daily to maintain our health, strength, and our balance. We'll talk about the unconventional wisdom and the alternative practices used in raising families, from healing to sex, because life's juicy. We are so excited and so ready to share how we make life delicious every day and how you can too. This is a Soul Fire production. I am here with my darling daughter, Alex Curry. She is the oldest of four. Megan comes in second, then Annie and Sam. And I just have to say up front that the one thing about Alex Curry is she knew what she wanted from a very young age, and she went for it. And that, I think, makes me so proud. It's going to make me cry, like, right off the top of this. <laughs> That's just my heart, you know, Elle. So yeah, okay. I, I, I just want to introduce, you know, all the things that even, you know, that you've accomplished. You know, your bio is pretty extensive, Al, and um, I know Daddy and I and your sisters and your family are just, like, wowed by you. Uh-huh. We continue to be wowed by you. So Alex is a host and a reporter for Fox Sports. She covers the Los Angeles Angels. She is a soccer and college football. Well, she covered soccer and college football. And she was the U.S. embedded reporter for Fox covering the U.S. women's national soccer team, which, by the way, we screamed like the entire time because it was so fun watching you on that. The team that won the gold in France last summer. She works in studio for Fox, filling in on Undisputed and Lock It In. Alex was the sideline reporter on American Ninja Warrior, Ninja versus Ninja. She's covered the LA Kings, well, she covered the LA Kings for six years, including their Stanley Cup runs. Wow. I mean, you've been a part of so much incredible, like, moments moments and winnings and yeah. times. And she's covered everything from E. News Now, top stories to football, baseball, hockey, volleyball, esports, and action sports all around the world. So, Megan, we miss you, but I am really stoked <laughs> <laughs> to be sitting here with your sister and my eldest daughter, Alex. Can I just say I love that you actually had to ask me for my bio? <laughs> I'm like, Mom, you've watched everything that I've done, right? You've been a part of this. You've seen it. But oh, I also yeah. love hearing people try to explain what I do because everybody kind of has their own way of explaining it. Oh, like she talks on TV. Oh, she interviews these people. Oh, she's the one on the field. Oh, she runs away from the Gatorade. Oh, you see her. She just holds the microphone on TV. It's like, (laughs) there's so many different ways that people feel like they're a part of it and how they explain it. So it was so fun and interesting to hear you. Can you send me your bio? I'm like, mom, don't you know everything? Aren't yeah, you supposed to know everything? But not by heart. It's like I know it, and, and I, I think I do a pretty good job explaining it. But yeah. I want our audience to know, like, everything that you've done, because that's part of our conversation today, Al, is mm-hmm. that, you know, um, you have been the oldest of four sisters. You've grown up. Really talk about that whole growing up part of your life and diving into it, that 
got you to where you are today? Because I think there's so many young women and girls that there isn't weeks or months that doesn't go by that people will say, oh, my daughter loves your daughter and, and you know, she wants to do just what Alex does and you show up for them. So now I think it would be really, really fun to kind of go back, take us back. Let's, you know, look back into your childhood, your growing up and, you know, talk about your story. What was okay. it like growing up in this wild, crazy curry family of four, well, five women and a dad? <laughs> oh, man, where do I begin? And it's crazy because we're sitting in our childhood home. Well, our second childhood home, because we moved into this house when I think I was six years old, but we yeah. grew up on this block. Yes. With 32 kids. So, I mean, growing up the oldest of four, I had to grow up really fast. Once Sammy, the baby, was born, it was like, all right, we need an extra set of hands. You're going to need to help out. And I became, I felt like mom number two. So as much as everyone else got to be a kid for so long, I had to grow up because I had to set a good example and I had to be there for my sisters along with some other very traumatic things that happened to me as a kid that one day maybe I'll open up about. But there was just so much that forced me to grow up really fast. And I became very aware of my surroundings and aware of the impact that I had on other people. I mean, I was six years old and I knew I had to set a good example for Megan, Annie, and Sam. Everything I did, I was always thinking about them. Because you said, you know, you can't do that because your sister's going to see you do that and you have to set a good example. So in my mind, throughout life, I always wanted to set a good example. Even getting into this field, it was like there's so many things that I am so careful about my public image because I know how many young kids, women just are watching every move that I do. And I want to be that good example for everybody. Um, I think growing up in a house with four kids was such an amazing um, learning experience. And you always said that. You always said, practice here at home. You have to practice here at home because if you can get through it here at home, then you're going to be able to get through it in the real world. And growing up with four girls is a lot. There's a lot of emotions. There's so much happy, but there's so much anger, sadness, frustration, hormones, fighting, everything. <laughs> and you just have to learn not to let certain things get to you. And know at the end of the day, as you said, family is always going to be there for you. They always have your back. And now, I mean, the four of us are best friends, which is something that I know you always dreamed about and always talked about wanting us to be. And it's so beautiful to see that be able to happen. So I think everything that I am now and that I, I went through, and I'm so thankful, even the hard stuff, even the really, really deep, dark stuff that I went through made me who I am today because I made it a choice to not let those things define me and to have them motivate me to do better and prove to the world that you don't have to be defined by bad experiences that you've been through. And then you have a choice to push through and you can be the star of your own life. And that was always kind of my mindset. And again, like I, as you mentioned, I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment industry the moment I was born. I think like my kindergarten papers were like singer, actress, dancer, model, like on TV, like anything <laughs> that was like in the spotlight. I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and it was hard because none of you, like that no one here, there's four of us. It's really hard to focus on one kid and everything that you want to do as one kid. So I learned early on, if I wanted to do something, 
you got to do it on your own and you got to figure out how to do it. Well, and I just, I just remember at eight, Alex, <laughs> Alex said, you know, I'm going to be Brooke Burke. I, so this is so funny because we were watching, it's Fuel T, it was Fuel TV and she was like the host. She was the, she was the first woman host. I mean, she was doing surfing and she was in a bikini. We grew up at the beach. So it was very much like, oh, I can relate to that well, because you, like we live at the beach and I want to be on TV and I want to talk to people and I want to interview people. So it was like, I want to do that. But she was the first person that I actually saw kind of in that realm that I had always envisioned. And I did. And we kind of looked like similar. That's like, what I was just going to say. I was like, had, and you look so much she, like She looked like someone that I could relate to. There's not many, like, you know, it was Brunette. ethnically ambiguous. I was very tan growing up. I just, yeah, I was a beach kid. Mm-hmm. So it was, I saw someone, I was like, oh, she kind of looks like, I kind of look like that. I want to do that. <laughs> I want to talk on TV. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. And so- you know, as a child, you were very gregarious. You've always been very up. I mean, I mean, I just remember you would gather the kids and, you know, do dance routines and let's do, um, oh, Spice Girls at the time. Hello. Oh, yeah. Spice Girls in middle school with all your besties. Who are you again? <laughs> Can I tell? I was Sporty Spice. Oh, yeah, of course. I just <laughs> have this video. I don't know if like oh, I'm able God. to show you, but it's so funny. Kelly, who was... Baby Spice oh my just gosh. sent this to me. She's like, you're never going to believe what, what I just found. And it's an old video of us Wow, from that fifth grade performance at Grandview. Oh my God. So it was fifth grade. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. It's right here. Oh my God. We're going to have to kick. share Look that. that kick. <laughs> That is so we're going to have to share that video when this releases Alex as Sporty Spice. Oh, yeah. No. Like, I mean, that's epic. That's like epic. But there it starts, though. I mean, here you are. You're in fifth grade and, you know, you've you've really. (laughs) We got producer Mike. He's laughing. I know. It's it's pretty awesome. (laughs) And it's like, you know, you you just knew. So. So now take us, so that's elementary school, you're graduating, you go on to middle school. Mm-hmm. And I remember in middle school, weren't you part of the, um, what's that thing? The MBMS wave. Oh, yes. So basically at MBMS, which I love that they did this, every, I don't know if it was like Weekly? semester or trimesters, you had to take a different class. Oh, right. We took broadcasting, we took theater, we took home ec, we took typing. Thank God we took typing. I am the fastest typer in the world because of that class. That's amazing. But I fell in love with theater. And in that theater class, I was like, this is it. I love being on stage. I love becoming something else. It was escaping who I was because I don't know if it was, I was always in like kind of in the cool kid group, but I wasn't the cool kid. I kind of like tagged along and was the one they let tag along with everybody because I didn't hang out with anybody outside of school because we had so many kids on our block. My best friend went to American Martyrs, went to the private school, and then we had 32 kids on the block. So this is who I would hang out with right. on weekends. So they were like school friends. Um, and so it was like always trying to fit in. Well, and the other thing too, not only trying to fit in, I mean, you had some challenges, even, you know, as an early, as early as first, second, and third grade. 
Yeah. So I, I, I didn't know what it was. You didn't know what it was, but I was with tutors. You had me on hooked on phonics. Um, I learned later in life that I'm slightly dyslexic Mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out why it was so hard for me to read, which is so funny that you joke now. It's like, oh, look, Alex, uh, who couldn't read is now a professional reader and talker. It's like, how did this happen? That's the joke of it all. Because in my mind, I'm like, if I can't do something, I'm going to do everything in my power to prove to you that I can do it. That's kind of the mindset I've always had. So in that sense, because I was such, I guess I was struggling to read and I, I, I couldn't understand why I had to read things over and over again. It just like wasn't computing. I learned how to memorize really well and I became a really good public speaker. So I found other ways to excel in school and in life so no one would notice. You adapted beautifully. Yeah. And Richard Branson actually talks about it in his book because he is dyslexic as well. And he said it's almost how he became a better businessman because he was able to adapt and you find other ways to fit in and not stand out. Well, you know, what's so interesting is that having been a special ed school teacher, I mean, I too knew something was up, Yeah. but the school district would constantly be going, no, she's great. She's outgoing. She's this, that, and the other. I mean, you really have to be an advocate for your kids because they kept pushing you along, pushing along until third grade when you couldn't read. I'm like, no. And I couldn't spell. All right. (laughs) I still can't spell. All right. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm the rug rat. That's the joke. But I, but I have to say daddy and I are, you know, because we're of that age and we really want to work on our brain power. We want to be super brains. And we started taking this, um, this online class called super brain with Jim quick. And he says the same thing. He was totally special ed, couldn't read, couldn't write. He adapted, created this amazing program to Mm -hmm. help you learn how to become a super brain. So, you know, as having these, you know, um, challenges or yeah. things that, you know, because the rest of your kids, all your friends growing up were like straight A students. Oh, I know. And so it, I'm sure it was- 4.0 students. Yeah. I'm sure it, it was quite, um, what is it? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, intimidating, you know? To, I took it as a challenge and which is well, why I, I mean, you. I'm extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my athlete side coming out is mm-hmm. if I, I set a goal and if I see someone is here, I figure every which way in my own way to get there and above. Wow. And that's always kind of just the way I've looked at things. It's like, okay, if this is the standard, how do I go above and beyond that? Wow. Well, that's the beautiful thing about you and your personality, because then, you know, here it is, you're in middle school and, you know, you're really dealing with all these challenges and, and you're learning how to adapt to it. Mm -hmm. Now you move into high school. High school was tough. Um, My first year, uh, eighth, I would say seventh, eighth grade freshman year were some of the toughest years. So I developed way earlier than most of the girls. Um, Welcome to in the my, Curry <laughs> Rosenblum. In my class. I looked like I was 21 when I was 10 years old. Like, I'll just put it that way. And girls didn't take kindly to that. So I was bullied. Growing up here, being the oldest of four girls, I didn't, I hadn't experienced that yet. So that took a pretty big hit for me personally. And like, I had a boyfriend. So like, I didn't understand like where all this animosity was coming from. Thankfully, and I am so grateful, um, a friend of mine uh, who became a friend of mine because she was in 
my zero period algebra class, Simone Lopes, who was an older girl and was friends with all the older girls, got to know me in class. I was like, wow, you're actually like really cool. Like, why is everyone so mean to you? I was like, "I, I honestly have no idea. And she basically went to bat for me and was like, stop being mean to Alex. And they did. And then we became really close friends. She's still a dear friend. We have um, our dogs or brothers, <laughs> Ozzy and Picasso. Like <laughs> we've still remained great friends. She was the only um, person's house you'd allow me to have sleepovers at like during school nights. Like, so yeah, I mean, I found, I found my way in and she was a cheerleader. So she was in with the whole like cool kid cool. crowd. And then another girl who really helped me um, was Heather Schaefer, who I met in theater. Um, and she really got my back and helped me in that sense. So it was like, I was really lucky to find a few older girls that were able to kind of take me under their wing and shifted my mindset in high school. Because after that, high school was like, I had an amazing time. I played soccer, another whole like different challenge situation that is a longer story. I did theater. Um, I started doing acting outside of school. We got a manager. I had to get that permission slip signed in order for me to be able to work because I was 12 or 13. Well, um, high school, no, you're like 14, 15. Well, because it was eighth grade, oh, okay. freshman year. And I started doing the extra work in mm. Seventh Heaven, still standing, little commercial stuff here or there. And this is kind of when everything took a shift because I was able to do theater my freshman, sophomore year in high school. Um, but then once I got to advanced theater, they made it very clear that it had to be your varsity sport. And I was playing varsity soccer at the time. And at that same time, we were kind of going through issues on the outside of school acting side because I had to have a parent there with me all day. And you had three other kids and other stuff going on in your life. And you couldn't be there with me all day. And I think our main manager at the time was like, maybe it'd be best if you you know, we're homeschooled. So you could do all these things. And I just kind of had, it was my first big life moment decision. And I was like, okay, I'm getting torn on both ends. I absolutely love theater. I love production. I mean, I was doing the thespian club at lunchtime at Maricosta. I would spend my lunch like performing in the theater room because that made me happy. And then I would be gone all after school doing high school soccer at Maricosta and then straight to club practice. Like it was like 24 seven nonstop, but I had to keep myself going and busy and find things that made me happy. So at that point I decided to stick with soccer and I always knew at one point in my life, I wanted to get back into production. I just loved everything about it. Like when we did the plays in seventh and eighth grade, um, we did musicals, I did choir performances. I just always loved everything about production and the performing, uh, the behind the scenes, the getting everything together to flow as one show. I mean, I loved being on stage. I loved being on camera. I loved just getting out of your body and out of your mind and just whatever it was you were trying to portray and just becoming that person. And you do it so well. With... The most beautiful up attitude that it just, you just draw everybody in. You know, I think that's what everyone loves about you. Even today, you know, um, people just, when you read your feed, it's like, thank you, Alex, because you are so up, you know? And um, so getting back 
because I really want to talk about this. I know that I've read this book and you've read this book is Untamed. I love it. That was my quarantine book. Right. And I think that's so important, getting back to the time that you were bullied and the time with mean girls. And and I know that just even as a parent having four daughters, Mm -hmm. it started in kindergarten. Watching young girls bully mm-hmm. other girls or no, you can't be part of my group or things oh, yeah. like that. And I know that the education system is tried, tried as they might to really help young girls, you know, how do we get them out of this? And I think that's what, um, you know, uh, Untamed is really highlighting. And, and as women, as we grow up, you know, how do we as women help each other yeah. not bring us down, not rip us to shreds? I, I, Hands down to you, Mom, because you did an incredible job with that. Because I remember coming home crying all the time. I don't understand why they're so mean to me. What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? And you just kept reminding me, Alex, this is not about you. This is about them. Mm-hmm. Don't let them bring you down. And what you have to do is just kill them with kindness. Mm. Just be you. Keep being you. Do not let them bring you down because it's not about you. And I had that in my mind always. And I'm like, at at one point I just started feeling bad for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's true because you don't know what is behind the scenes. You don't know what their family life is like. You don't know what's causing them to be so angry and, and, and need to do that. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy today that it's out there. Yeah. And and I think Lennon does a beautiful job sharing that about, you know, women and the challenges that women face as they grow up and they get mm-hmm. older and I mean, we're going to talk about that later, but really, you know, moving into just, you know, college. You know, what was it like now? So high school, you've you've really experienced um some big decisions that you had to make, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, between theater and sports. And I remember that being such a hard time for you to decide. But I think the way you kind of came to the conclusion is, you know, I'm not going to be a professional athlete my whole life. That's not my goal. My goal is to be Brooke Burke and be on TV and be in broadcasting and something like that. And that you could take that into college. But soccer was my, that was my friend group. Yeah. I played year-round club soccer. We traveled mm-hmm. all the time. My best friends all played soccer. And most importantly, it was my outlet. Yeah. Like I I was the bulldog. I was <laughs> aggressive. Yes, you, you were. did not want to play against me. I played yeah. defense and I took you down. Yeah. Like that was my I was the enforcer. It was like first 10 minutes of the game, I'm taking someone down. I did that legally. Sometimes. <laughs> and, but and I wanna I wanna talk about that because yeah. in your senior year, yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, between your club coach and your soccer coach, and here we're going to apply to colleges and what happened? Take I, us back. <laughs> this is tough. another part of my life story. Every single person always told me I wasn't good enough. Yeah. All of my coaches. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have, until college, a supportive soccer coach, which was really hard. I remember my club coach just telling me, you're not good enough to play in college. I, there was issues going on with the high school coach and other people and political things going on that was tough. 
but I always just kind of had it in the back of my mind, like, no, I'll prove, I'll prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. That was always kind of what I did. But then I got injured. I tore all the ligaments in my right ankle, which was my dominant foot, my kicking foot. And I took all the free kicks. I took, like, I took all the corner kicks. I was like, that was kind of my deciding factor. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm done. And I went and decided to choose a college based on a place that I wanted to go to. And mom, this was something that was really hard that you did to me. Mm -hmm. I chose San Diego State and you cried. And you told me I made the wrong choice. You told me you didn't want me to go there because you went there and you did not have a good experience there. Right. And I had to spend months convincing you that this was the right place for me. And this was this was our tough year. We had a really tough senior year of high school. You were going through menopause. I was the <laughs> first one to leave the house. I think there were just so many raging emotions. We were in yelling fights right here. Yeah. Every single night. We went to therapy, mm-hmm. group therapy. It was so bad. Dad had to pull us apart and I just couldn't understand why can't you just let me go? Let mm-hmm. me be, let me be my own person. Let me decide that this is where I want to go. And you're like, okay, fine. Then don't come home. You're too close. If you're going to be this close, then don't come home. I was like, okay, fine. I won't. And I only came home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And at that point I put up a wall. We were in a tough spot. Yeah. Which moms and daughters, I think it happens. It's normal. Well, I think it's the cutting of the cord, but I think, like you said, I was going through my own personal stuff at the time. Yeah. You know, yes, menopause, but I think that's where parents Mm -hmm. really have to take a step back. And I've learned, obviously, times four, that you need to trust your your child to make a decision for them. Mm -hmm. And- That was a huge learning curve for me moving forward, especially, you know, with Megan and her choices of colleges, you know, and- Oh, no. She went to the one you wanted her to go to. Well- There there might have been bribes for us to go to Boulder. Mom was obsessed with Colorado. There were cars involved. There was money involved. And I turned them down to go to San Diego State. So that's how badly I wanted to go to San San Diego State that I turned down- X amount of money a month. Megan, she took that deal. We'll just put that out there. Well, and she only had two choices, really two choices, Uh but so that was good. But back to you, Uh you were right. You were absolutely 100% right for choosing San Diego State. It it wasn't about me. It was about you. It wasn't about you. Well, of course, back then, 100%. You know, I didn't like it. I had a bad experience. Please don't go there. There's so many other better schools, you know. And and I think as parents, look at what happened just, you know, with everything in the colleges. It's the parents that are like, no, I'm going to get you into the school. You're going to get into the school. any cost. Yeah. And so we learn the hard way mm-hmm. that when you're, and this was something really important too, in your senior year, we had a neighbor who had three, two daughters older. Yeah. And um, I don't know who it was, but what they said was so important with your kids that are seniors and going off to college. Hmm. You need to let them make mistakes while they're here under your roof as like the dock so that when they go to college, Mm -hmm. they have had an opportunity to learn this. And so not your first semester, but your second semester. Thank God. The chains (laughs) were unlocked and I was actually able 
to go to a party. Yeah. Like, you know, no curfew. <laughs> that was the first. Yeah, that was like, whoa. And right. again, so thankful you did that because I had so many friends freshman year get on academic probation and they didn't know how to properly balance school partying, sports, the social life. And because you gave me that semester here of like, all right, you got to figure it out. Like you got to learn to balance. It was everything. I I had no idea that happened, but I'm so thankful that that neighbor told you that. And I think, and I think that was really hard as a parent to trust, trust that they're going to be okay. Trust that, you know, they're going to make mistakes. I think that is so important is to really teach our kids Making mistakes are important because oh that's gosh. how we learn. It's the only way I learn. Exactly. I've made the biggest mistakes in my life. I almost lost my job a couple times, but it's like never doing that again. Right. You know, so so I think um, that experience that we went through at mm-hmm. the end of the day, because I do remember that was now that you're bringing it up, it was such a hard oh, time yeah. for us. And, but you know, what? I'm, that was your learning Time. That was you yeah. growing up and, and figuring stuff out for yourself because I think that is so important, you know? So so now you're in college. Yeah, which is so weird, so fun. Um, first time in my life I'm not playing soccer. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Your first year. This my is first, first year. year. So this is, this is just fresh. This is just first semester right. freshman year. So there was one person that went to San Diego State that I knew – that went to Costa that was older and that was Rachel Barnes. Mm. And so I'd never actually hung out with her here, but I reached out to her and was like, hi, I, we both went to Costa together. I'm a couple years younger. Um, I don't know anybody here. Would you be willing to take me out? Oh my gosh. And this is after <laughs> like my first day in the dorms, you guys moved me in. I walked around to every single door. I knocked on every single door. I was on the fourth floor. I started on the first floor, knocked on every single door. I was like, hi, my name's Alex. What's your name? You want to be friends? Hi, my name's Alex. You want to be friends? <laughs> hi. And I met my best friend doing that, Megan Connolly, Aww. who was roommates with Sherry Neff. So I ended up meeting like a good group that first night from walking around and introducing everybody and bringing a group together. Mm. And Rachel was like, yeah. I would love to take you out. Uh, <laughs> but you it was amazing. Thinking, were you even thinking? Never. Never in a million years did I think I would join a sorority. I was like, that is not for me. No way, Jose. But I'm telling you, best four years, four and oh. a half years. <laughs> we'll get into that half year later. But yeah, I ended up, she convinced me to rush. She was like, Alex, it's just like, I'm telling you, you're going to meet your best friend's doing this. It makes the campus so much smaller. It makes social life so much better. And I did. I ended up rushing. I ended up joining Theta. I ended up meeting Morgan, who was like my best friend, Megan, my best friend. And it was awesome. It was, it it completely brought a new community. And I became best friends with this whole guy group too that was in Sigma Chi. And it was like Theta and Sigma Chi. And we were there every (laughs) single day. And it was, it was the craziest year of my life. And then right around April, um, and through all of this, let me remind you, one of my best friends growing up was a couple years older than me. He had been through so many obstacles in his life, had finally just gotten his life together, was playing football at Tulsa, was on a full football scholarship. They were going to pay for his grad school. And every week he'd be like, Alex, why aren't you playing soccer? Alex, you need to be playing soccer. Alex, get out there and just play soccer. Why aren't you playing soccer? And then he got out a couple weeks before I did. So he was going to come and visit me at San Diego state. 
And the week before, I get a phone call that um, he was rushed to the emergency room. He um, put on a dirty pad and got an infection that basically ate him from the inside out. And within a week, he had passed away. And the day he passed away was the day he was supposed to be visiting me at San Diego State. And I just went into this whole, it was the first like best friend, close friend that I had had lost like that. And it was, it was heavy. It was hard. I, we, I came home for the celebration of life and the whole car ride back to San Diego, I was just like, I have to try out for the soccer team. I have to do it. And I knew someone that was on the NCAA team, Casey Davidson, and she advised me there were some issues going on with the coach and it just, it wasn't a lot of fun. And, you know, maybe try out, she had heard the club team was really good. Um, They had the Gatorade player of the year. Like they like had a lot of good, like coaches, players, whatnot. So I did, I went out and I tried out for the club team. And I remember that first tryout, I was in tears. I was just trying to just like wipe every single tear as I was going through the drills and going through the tryout. And I remember the coach saying, it's like, we don't need a lot of defenders. I was like, just give me a shot. I, I, I'll work hard. I'll play wherever you want me to play. I just, I just need to be involved. So fast forward to sophomore year, I end up making the team. And again, Brian was very clear. Like we have a center back. She's a senior. She's really good. I don't, I just want you to be aware. You're probably not going to get a lot of playing time. I'm like, it's okay. I just want to be here. Brian was your coach. Brian was Brian was my soccer coach. Then as we're approaching our first game, the girl got sick. And he's like, all right, Alex, she's sick. We're going to need you to start at center back. I was like, amazing. He's like, you're going to guard that girl. Mind you, she is twice my size, like <laughs> height, Build. just muscular. I was like, yep, uh-huh, I got this. <laughs> she did not turn around once with the ball. I had one of the best games of my life, and I never came out after that game. I started, and I played the rest of my college career. That sophomore year, we ended up winning nationals. Yes. We went on to win and become national <laughs> champions. And it was just this like full circle. Holy shit. Like, yeah. This needed to happen. Like I could feel Devin with me. I could feel just like this was the right path and the right journey. Um, and we ended up like, I played a couple more years. We got second place. My junior year and senior year, I was so injured. I was taken out every 15 minutes, readjusted, put back in, taken out, readjusted, put back in. So after that season, I knew that I should, if I wanted to be able to like work out normally and have an active life, I probably should step away. So I did. But also in college, um, I started working behind the scenes. Um, you had mentioned, you're like, oh, one of our neighbors, I know Alex, you said you want to get in production. Mm-hmm. he has a production company, the Joe Lewis production company. And like, they might need some PAs. Here's his number if you want to reach out. So that was the great thing you always did is like, you gave me the initial connection. You gave me a contact, but I always had to be the one to reach out. And I had to be the one to prove myself. So I reached out. He's like, yeah, I, you want to work in a couple of weeks? I was like, yeah, put me to work. And I did everything from crafty to setting up red carpets to running to go get gaff tape to basically anything and everything they needed. And I did this for three years, my every summer break, winter break, spring break, um, starting after my freshman year of college. And it was the best hands-on experience I ever got. Uh, 
again, speaking of making mistakes, I made a huge mistake. It was the Comedy Central roast. And it was like, we were setting up the after party. There was a guy there rolling Cuban cigars, Cohibas. I was like, oh, Uncle David loves Cohibas. Maybe when they're done, I'll just like take a box and I'll bring it to Uncle David. He'll love that. (laughs) <laughs> I did not know how special Cohiba cigars are and like how big of a deal they are. Apparently Adam Sandler's manager saw me do it, told on me, told Joe, I got absolutely reamed, gave the cigars back. I was like, I will never do something like that again. I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, live and learn, eh? Oh my gosh, live and learn. But like, it was it was amazing. Like I, we worked on every major award show here in Los Angeles. And while I was working as a stage manager at the Raleigh, now Manhattan Beach studios just down the street from here because he had too many shows going on. So it was like, that was like my highest level. I was like, yeah, I'll help stage manage. And it was like a week of setup for the championship gaming series on DirecTV. And I end up just making friends with everybody as I do. Everyone's dressed the same because it's the production week. And we're a couple days away from the first shoot. And one of the guys I become friends with, he's like, hey, seaweed, because I'd always eat those seaweed snacks. (laughs) He was like, hey, so uh, I was about to call the agency, but like, I'm looking for a Mountain Dew host. Do you want to be our Mountain Dew host? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like, be on camera. I was like, yeah. Are you going to pay me as much? He's like, yeah, I'll pay you some more. I was like, all right. And <laughs> the next day, instead of going to the production truck, I went and showed up not knowing I had to go to hair and makeup. I showed up already. He's like, have you been to hair and makeup? I was like, no, what's hair and makeup? He's like, get to hair and makeup. I was like, okay. And then that was kind of my first, like on the other side of the camera wow. in production. So that lasted three seasons. And mind you, I'm still in school and I'm still doing other jobs for Joe behind the scenes. So We shot three seasons of that, one of which happened to be during finals week at San Diego State. So I would take a final, get in my car, drive here, sleep at your house, get up, shoot the show, get in my car, drive back down to San Diego, take my final, drive right back up, shoot the show, sleep, go back down, take a final. It was like the craziest. But at that point, it was that moment that I realized I was never going to make driving an issue. I was like, if you want to work in Los Angeles and you want to work in this industry, you're going to be driving all over the place. And it was like that moment, I was like, don't let this be a reason not to do it. And don't let it frustrate you. And don't let it bring down your energy. Let it be your your you time. And I just made it a point. Never going to let driving bother me. Yep. I'm going to do there. I'm going to be there. I want to do it. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. So when that show got canceled my junior year, I was also in a writing class at San Diego State because I was, um, my major was journalism media studies, which was a new major Mm -hmm. um, with a minor in business marketing because dad was very adamant about me doing something in business. And I am so thankful that he made me do that. And I understand the business marketing side of things, but I was in a class and we had to write a paper about what we wanted to be and how we had to get there. And you had to basically list out the steps everything you had to do to get there. And it was the first time I think I admitted to myself and said it out loud, I want to be a TV host. Mm. And I don't know if I was embarrassed because it was like, oh, everyone wants to be on TV. Oh, everyone wants to be an actor. Oh, everyone wants to be this. And I let that get in my head. So I figured it out. My boyfriend, now husband, 
was <laughs> down with me in San Diego. And I think I said it out loud to him the first time because at that point also, I was band mom for his band. I would take a week off and I had a big Ford Explorer XLT, three rows, and I would drive his band sand section on tour. And I was the band mom. <laughs> and he got to a point where he was like, Alex, you need to stop focusing on me and focusing on yourself. Hmm. What do you want to do? Let's figure it out. And it was right, it almost lined up to that exact same time that I had that paper. It was like, I had my significant other telling me this and I had a school assignment being like, okay, it's time to hone in on what you want to yeah. do. Focus. And I said, okay, I think I need to get an internship. All right. So I applied at Fuel TV and I applied at E! News. I ended up getting both internships and I decided to take Fuel TV because I thought it fit more of my personality, who I was, and it was a smaller company and I felt like I could move up faster and maybe learn more hands-on. So Jeff was like, what else can you do? I was like, well, we could practice reading some scripts. So right at that moment, we got a big poster board. He wrote out a script. We took my camera, my microphone. We walked straight down to Mission Bay. He stood there holding the camera, holding the script <laughs> in his mouth. And I stood there with the microphone and I did 30 takes right there on the beach. I was like, okay, uh, that was funny. <laughs> but that was a good practice. So fast forward um, that next summer, I'm interning at Fuel. So I went back. So I was like, I was production, I was on camera. Now I'm going back to square one, getting coffee, getting copies. And again, no shame in my game. I like, my ego does not take any sort of hits there. I want to learn. I want to understand every aspect of the industry. And I think that's so important for people wanting to get into this industry. Get rid of your ego. Check it right now. Because even when you're at the top, there are going to be moments where you're going to have to reassess and maybe start over. And you, you learn early on that it's okay to be of service to other people, mm -hmm. then you're going to be successful in this industry. Didn't someone, I think it was Liz Warner, who was in the industry, we met with her. One of your friends. No, you gave me her number. Oh, okay. And again. Oh, again. <laughs> you gave me her number and I called her. <laughs> and Yeah, follow through. Yeah. And she gave me some advice and... It was like, just continue to pursue what you want. Always ask for what you want. The worst thing that people can say is no. But she said, if someone doesn't get back to you right away, don't take it personally. People are so busy in this industry. It might get lost in the mumble jumble. Just keep reaching out. Be persistent and be polite. Always. And I've always kind of taken that with me. Um, whether it be checking in with a producer every other month or like anytime I did something new. Hey, have you seen this? Like, you want to see what I have going on? Um, so yeah, I ended up getting the internship at Fuel TV. I was uh, working on The Daily Habit. And my first day I walk in, I remember going to my producer. I was like, I want to be a TV host. He's like, yeah, so does everybody else get in line. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so I spent the whole summer there. I got one opportunity um, one day he came up to me, he's like, Hey Alex, would you mind writing a news flash? Which is like a 30 second, like news blurb. I was like, okay. So I wrote it, did not think to read it over. And he goes, all right, I want you to read it out loud in front of the whole office. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I did not read this to myself first. And so I read it. I thought I blew it. Next day morning, I'm coming in, a couple guys walking by like, Hey Alex, you did a great job yesterday. I was like, 
what? So I walk in, he pulls me into his office. He's like, yeah. So, you know, I was really impressed with what you did yesterday. So, um, I'd like to invite you to go and PA one of, uh, the shoots that we have for Mike Blayback. He's the photographer who um, shot a guy doing an ollie over the Great Wall of China. And he's having his photo book release party on Melrose. Um, we have our host coming, but if you can, we'd love for you to do the research and do all the questions and write his stand-up. I was like, wow, done. Amazing. Love it. So I did it. I show up. The guy's a professional skateboarder. He's not a host. So he sits down, doesn't ask one of my questions. I'm like, I spent all day on this. So when he got <laughs> up, I just sat right down and was like, I have to know. And I just started asking him my questions. The camera was still rolling. The boom mic was still there. And they recorded the whole segment. And my producer looks over at me after. He's like, do you want to go shoot the stand-up outside? I was like, I would love to go shoot the stand-up outside. And so wow. we went outside. We ended up, it was my first time doing a stand-up. Like, again, because I didn't have, like, broadcast training or host training in college. And I did probably 10 takes. And then they ended up using my bit on Fuel TV. And that was my first segment on TV. So after that, I went back for my super senior year because um, I studied abroad in Italy in 2008 when everything hit the fan. And when I came back, they cut a lot of programs and a lot of classes and told me that half my classes weren't going to count towards my major that I had just taken in Italy. So I had to stay for an extra semester, which was really hard. It was really hard emotionally because all my friends were gone. I was ready to just like go into the real world. Um, and I think that's like when I first started experiencing, like when I had my first like panic attack, Hmm. And had, like, my first, like, anxiety, which was a whole other can of worms. Yeah. But during that time, Fuel started calling me. And I started filling in on Fuel TV Download. I got to do, like, some bits on The Daily Habit and really hone in on what I wanted to do. And it was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I, every single day I would pull up, I think it was, like, Yahoo. I had Yahoo at the time. I would take the top stories. I would put them into my computer. And I would record myself reading them on camera. And I just practiced every single day, something every single day, just watching myself read, critiquing myself, had a smile when I was talking, inflections, and I just started to teach myself. Well, I, I hear so much goodness, especially for girls and women or people, whomever, even yeah. if you're a guy that, that wants to get into this. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing be tenacious. Don't give up. No. Opportunistic is another thing that I'm really hearing. It's like you took opportunities mm -hmm. and were really prepared yeah. to like when when the time was like ready, it was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. There was never like, oh, no, I can't do that. It no. was like you really went for it. You practiced, you studied, you did it. And to me... That is so key for this industry. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. That is the story of my career, as you'll learn the next step of my career. There's so much more we covered to Alex's story. So make sure you come back next week for part two of my conversation with my daughter, TV host and reporter, Alex Curry. <laughs>